Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 376, Shining a Light on Gender Stereotyping with Maggie Shannon and Stella Osborne. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsor, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more at rcat.com. Maggie Shannon and Stella Osborne, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. Hi, Mark. Thank you. It is great to have you both here. You're both active members at the Entree Architect community. Throughout the years, you've you've contributed to the conversations at the Facebook group. You've you've participated. Um, uh, here on the podcast, Stella's been here twice before, once for episode 247 for parental leave in architecture. We had a roundtable discussion um, and episode 286, uh, starting from scratch as an architect developer, talking about how uh, Stella was working on a development project and starting that from scratch and how she did that. Um, they're both based in the Atlanta, Georgia region. Uh, both have either own or have owned your own firms in the past or currently. Uh, Stella, you're now working for a larger firm. You recently had a, um, uh, you moved from your own firm to working with a larger firm earlier this year. That's right. And Maggie, you have your own firm now. Uh, and you're both very active on the Facebook group, um, in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. Anybody who wants to join that group, you have to be an architect. So we only have conversations among us in that group. Um, and if you wanted to join, it's entrearchitect.com slash group. You can request membership there, but remember you have to be an architect or, or an architecture student working to become an architect. And the reason we're having this conversation today, I invited Stella and Maggie to come on the podcast, uh, to talk about gender stereotyping. We had, a, Stella posted a, uh, a post in the community, uh, about gender stereotyping. She was at a, a recently at a a presentation about gender stereotyping, and she shared some of the information that was uh, being presented there, and it started a conversation. Lots of engagement, lots of debate, lots of misunderstanding, I think, uh, and some of it became conflict, and it sort of blew up a little bit. Um, and uh, 
and I wanted to invite you both here to have that conversation, to continue that conversation, to continue having the conversation, um, to talk about gender stereotyping, what it is, why it happens, and what we can do as a profession. How do we, how do we get better at this? Um, but before we go there, I want to share your origin stories. I want to uh, share who or what inspired you both to become architects and share that story from, uh, from that point to where you find yourself today. Let's start with Maggie, and then we'll jump over to Stella. Hmm. Um, where do I start? I don't know if anybody really inspired me. Um, it was just something that I've always had on my mind ever since I was little. I kind of was always into art classes and building and you know, in our garage, uh, vice grips and tools. And I was always sort of building models. And I was always in our little laundry craft area of the house and painting. And I just had it in my mind when I'd see buildings and master plans, they resonated to me. I just How did, how did you learn about architecture? Who Who taught um, you that there were such, was such a thing? So there was a neighbor down the street who was an architect. And when I heard what he did, I thought, well, that's similar to what I, I really like to do. So interesting enough, I said, I really want to go talk to him. I was probably eight years old and said, I really wanted to talk to him because um, that's what I want to do. And I was told I should not talk with him. I should talk to the wife who's an interior designer. <laughs> <laughs> I was utterly confused. How old were you again? I was probably eight. I was really confused, really dismayed. I didn't understand why I couldn't talk to him and why I was sort of relocated to something I wasn't even asking about. Um, so, yeah, that was slightly disappointing. And I never talked to her or him because I didn't want to talk to her and he was off the books. I wasn't supposed to be talking to him. And... So throughout the years, I would mention wanting to be an architect and it was always, oh, math and this and that. There was always, there was never, hey, let's do this and set it up for you. That sounds great. It was blockade after blockade. Um, and so then when I was actually in college and I was studying creative writing and art, I would walk by an architect's office and I went into him one day and I was like, there's a reason I'm walking by your office. I love seeing all your models in the window. I just love it. And I went in and we clicked. He was the most amazing guy. And he said, look, Maggie, if there's a will, there's a way you'll do it. And so I, I always had that in my mind. So I think I was in my senior year then and I'd already finished all my courses and I went back home to DC and um, I was actually working in the financial industry, which was not me at all. And I'd sit at my desk and do little models with paper clips and sketch all the time. And then down the street was the Corcoran School of Art. And I was taking some art classes. And there was also the AIA National there. So during lunch, I'd go to the AIA library to just see what was there. And I was like, I've got to do something. This won't leave my head. So I don't even know who it was. There was some guy in the library there that showed me a little booklet and said, there are all these summer programs before you dive into architecture, because it's a real commitment. Why don't you apply to some of these summer programs? So we suggested two. I just applied to one, which was Harvard's GSD. So I went up there, applied, got in, did it for the summer. It was the absolute yeah. best summer of my life. I'm still in touch with all the people that I met there. And I didn't even know about Georgia Tech then. And so I was like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, so I came to Atlanta to get residency here because um, I really wanted to get into the program and go. And I actually got in as a non-resident. I was a day short of being resident. And I went to them and I said, look, I really need to be a resident. I worked so hard. And the woman was so nice and signed off on it and put me in as a resident, which helped with tuition. And, um, so from there, I've just sort of done it, you know, but I've always wanted to build, but it was sort of off limits. I mean, there's a sort of cliche story of playing with Legos and, but I was not allowed. I was told there were boys toys and to put them back in the shelf there for my brother who didn't care at all about them. They sat there totally unused. And all I thought was, this is ridiculous. Nobody's even using them. I'm the only one out there using the tools and the workbench and the glues and the hammers and wanting to plot the Legos, but they were off limits for me. I think the only reason nobody told me not to play with a hammer and stuff was they didn't see me. I was hidden in the garage. <laughs> I would just disappear from my four siblings and go and do my, my thing. <laughs> so that's kind of my origin story of how I got into it. And it's just, you know, grown from there. 
Yeah. It sounds like you were a born architect. You were just, you were constantly being pushed to other things and you just were determined and resilient and just kept moving toward what you wanted. And eventually you got what you ultimately wanted. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> if you want something, you got you to just keep pushing. That's what a what great learned. story. Eight years old and gender stereotyping right from the beginning. <laughs> so oh, yeah, and you know you don't even realize it then. It's one of those subliminal things that you're you're just kind of put in this position. You don't understand what it's about or how to get out of it. You're boxed in, but you don't understand that origin and why that's right. happening. And you just and you're so sort of subservient to the adults around you at that sure. age. So you're you know it takes you know after a bit of living and seeing things going wait. Now I can label that. That was that was gender stereotyping that yeah. happened. I can't believe that. Yeah. You know. And conversations like this are what changes that, right? Is 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 having those conversations, having the conversations in the group, having conversations like this in the podcast. Um, that's how things are brought to light, and how things change is to have these conversations, and not in a combative or a, you know, in some sort of conflict, but to have a conversation. Right, so so we can learn from one another, and we can share experiences with others, and and sort of shed light for others to say, oh well, well look at that. That that's we don't want that to happen again. Let's make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, so Stella, what's your what's your story? Um, so I my story is a little bit different. Um, I guess I'm lucky I didn't have that gender stereotyping as a kid. I experienced it more after you know i became an adult and yeah. was in the working world but um so i'm from greece originally you may remember and uh, my family and i moved to the u.s to new york when i was eight years old my dad's a truck driver was a truck driver he retired last year um and so he used to drive up and down the coast between new york and florida and he thought well florida is you know very similar to greece where we came from right it's sunny there's water there's boats there are beaches let's move down there so we moved to Florida, finished up high school there. Um, while in high school, um, I guess as early as I can remember, I used to draw all the time, freehand draw, watercolor, paints, oil paints, watercolor, whatever. I took classes, like private art classes. So for the longest time, I actually thought I was going to be a renderer for for other architects. Yeah. Um, and so my junior year in high school, I took a drafting class. It was mostly mechanical, like drafting mechanical parts. So it was all hand drafting. This was back at 95. And um, at the same time, you know, I was looking at colleges and what am I going to study? And I found out that my mom had originally wanted to become an architect, but at in that time in Greece, there was a lot of pressure for women to get married and have babies. So she dropped the idea of going to college. So that sort of inspired me. You know, I thought, well, let me explore. Not that I'm going to go do what somebody else wanted to do, but let me explore. What is what is it like to be an architect? So I did some research about that and visited schools and decided, okay, I'm going to go down this architecture path because I, I could also do my art rendering yeah. portion right um so i i visited scad and georgia tech ended up you both know i ended up at georgia tech so in 1996 um i started my studies there and um i have um i did some internships in the city of atlanta and uh, i guess for me as I think Maggie mentioned that she had the gender stereotyping started at an early age. I encountered it in my working life and my professional life. So I guess I just always felt like I wasn't in the right environment. I knew that architecture was my passion and my goal. I love the problem solving aspect of it. I love seeing the before and after if it's a renovation or like looking at a piece of land and there's nothing there and then you create shelter for people. So that's that's what inspires me and I love it. Like I know this is my profession, but I just didn't know. I guess I was in the wrong environment. And so I just I hung on working for other firms for 15 years, navigating all kinds of, you know, sexism and gender stereotyping and being told that you know, I shouldn't have been hired because I was at a childbearing age at one point, you know, and it's like, no. what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so over the years, I've just kind of, 
you know, gone against the grain a little bit. And Mark, as you mentioned, I used to have my own small practice. Um, and recently I've joined a, a national firm that has a presence in Atlanta. And I'm happy to say there's not much of that going on. They're very progressive. Um, they try to treat everybody, everybody as, as fairly as possible and open to ideas and, um, you know, trying to be inclusive. And that and that's one of the reasons, main reasons why I am there. So, so what's the difference? What's you said that you experienced it when you first entered the profession and it was really bad and you there was sexism and gender stereotyping and now you're in a firm where that's not happening. So they have yes, so I mean I think I think part of it is just, you know, as a society we grow and we learn and we change, right? That was over when I started my career, it yep. was over 20 my first job was over 20 years ago. Things have changed. Uh, things have changed. Um so I'm thankful for that. Um I think like Maggie mentioned earlier, there's just more women in the field now. I mean, yeah. it's not where we want to be, but there are more. And the firm where I am now, they invest in, in training and education and open-mindedness to make sure that there is that path and there is that conversation so that everybody has a place and everybody feels welcomed. Yeah. Mag Maggie, could you can you explain what we're talking about for, for people who are listening and don't understand what we're talking about right now with gender stereotyping and sexism and, and the and the experiences that you experienced in the profession or continue to experience at times. Um, what are we talking about here? Gosh, I think a lot of it is just very subliminal. I just like it was interesting. I you know, on that post that Stella did, um, Somebody thought that the whole gender inclusivity yep. had to do with um, we had our feelings hurt. Got it. I said no, that's it's not oversensitive. That we were yeah in the sensitive category. Yeah, and I said that's not it. Imagine if you know you're reading an article about architects and it all says she and women, but you're an, you're an architect or you're in a meeting and everything is referred to as for women, not men. You know, every single thing is referred to with a pronoun he or him or me or whatever. And the person finally said, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, I'm not sure if they really did. And then but it was it was moving forward with that. Um, I mean, I think the hardest thing is it's just been so ingrained in our society that I mean, going back to when I was little, I don't even think the people that said, hey, talk to the interior designer instead. Hey, no, you can't play with Legos. If, hey, you know, maybe architecture isn't for you. That they knew what they were doing, that they were stereotyping. It was what they were told right. to do. Right. And I, I think mean, we're now breaking that egg open and saying, wait right. a second, let's look at this. It doesn't feel good. Women are really great architects. And buildings are supposed to be inclusive. You have men and women, transgender, children, elderly, black, white, Hispanic, everybody using these buildings. It's an inclusive place. We need to have designers that encompass all of that and can give that perspective. Um, so I don't know if I'm answering what you, you asked no, me. I, I, kind I, th of I, I think you certainly are. Estella, do you want to add anything to that? Oh, I, th I think she got it. I mean, I guess let me just say this. Part of it is like she like she said she was told to talk to the, the the wife of the neighbor. So if you it's the example that you have ahead of you, right? If you yeah. constantly have the male figure doing X Y Z, then you know my daughter doesn't know that she can also do that. So it's just it's exhausting to have to explain, you know, that that women can do pretty much anything that men can do. And we're not saying we're better at it. I just think everybody needs to get along, do what makes you happy, you know, contribute to society and we'll get along. Like there's no reason to bring other people down. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know what, when you said women can do anything, it reminds me one of the things that was an inspiration to me and it sounds bizarre, but it was Marlo Thomas. Is that Thomas Thompson? And um, Free to Be You may remember that. And there was a song in it. And she's okay. in the streets in New York. And she's with a guy. But she's in front. And she's singing. Women can do anything. They can be anything. 
And she goes out there and she's like, they can be a doctor, they can be a police officer, they can be a teacher, they can be an engineer. And she goes through all these scenarios and she dresses up like that character in it. And this is in the 70s. And I remember thinking, yes, I can be that. Look at Marlo Thomas, she's doing it. And I just loved her. And I was like, okay, despite what everybody else is saying, I know there is something out there for me. Even though how I grew up, they're trying to put me in a little box. Um, you know, you, you find your inspiration in various places. I mean, it could be just walking down the street with somebody and you see it, but I'm, right. she was my inspiration in that song. You can be anything. That's cool. And I'm going to have to look it up. Hey, Mark, can I throw a wrench into this interview? Yeah. I love wrenches. I want to know yeah. why, or let me just rephrase the person that we really need to be interviewing or have a part of this conversation is Catherine Georgeson. She's a transgender woman architect in the group that had the last two comments in my post and explained clear as day how she went through her almost 40 years of her career and upbringing as a male architect and, you know, experienced how he was treated. And then she came out as transgender, now lives her life as a woman and can tell you as black and white the difference in how she is perceived and treated to me that that was amazing that that she contributed to the post and i i thought that was really good that's that's who we need to be talking to because they have evidence they can tell you from both sides yes from both sides yeah like literally from both sides literally (laughs) literally (laughs) i remember her stating she was like you know, when I was a man and I would come up with an idea, everybody would listen. Now as a woman, she's her idea, it's like dismissed onto the next person. The man says exactly what she says and they listen to him and like she said nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And if I we say and that, that does happen, let me tell you that happens. I mean, part of me going on my own was because of what you experience in the workplace too. Too often projects would be, the bigger ones would be given to the men. I yep. would it was like so much subliminal pushing around yes. a relegate Maggie here. I was the only female for like six years. Yeah. And then there were layoffs. So do you know who they laid off? They laid yeah. off the engaged person, me. I was about to get married. And the woman who just came back from maternity leave. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Because, oh, I'm getting married. You know, I don't need the job, right? My husband's going to take care of me. And the other woman should be home with her baby. Yeah. I mean, I was... Like, I was like, forget this. And I actually, when I said, okay, well, I already had side projects I was doing. So I just went gangbusters on that. And when I was there and I'm working for myself, I'm going, I know everything. I, I got so much more confidence being on my own. Right. Things that I would bring up and know how to run or say, I was so dismissed all the time. And now I had no one dismissing me. And I was getting projects through. I was getting clients that were happy. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So you feel, you feel right. So like, yeah, like you said, so if you get dismissed all the time over a year or, you know, several years, then you start to, you know, question yourself and wonder right. if you're, if you know what you're talking about, but really you do, you do. there's all this, you know, I guess male egos that need to dismiss you so they can get ahead. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I know not all men are this way. I'm just saying from what we've experienced. Yeah. It's exhausting. We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsor, ArtCat. As more businesses and tenants demand green design in their buildings, LEED certification is more important than ever. And while ArtCat is known for being red, you know, with their big red A, they can help you go green. ArtCat provides thousands of LEED reports from building product manufacturers on how their products can help you make the green choice that's right for your project. Head over to rcat.com and find the information you need for lead. rcat.com, that's A-R-C-A-T dot com. Please visit rcat today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Do you know what we can do to make it better? Because I know, I know through through, you know, through attrition, right? Through through growth, through our society shifting. You had mentioned earlier, Stella, that 
Back in the 90s, it was different than it is today. Today is better than it was then. And, you know, 10 years from now, hopefully it'll be better than it is now. And so some of this will change just through our societal changes. Um, but how do we address it today, right? Your, your organization right. is addressing it through education. Are there things that we should be doing as a community, specifically our small firm community, that we can help this process move forward? Well, let me give you an example. Yes, yes. The, my firm is addressing it now, but I think it um, you have to keep practicing it, right? You can't, you have to practice what you preach. You can't just watch a video every once a year and say, we, you know, we're great, we're inclusive. There's a lot of positivity. It's happening, but I think we also have to educate everybody that we work with. So consultants, but I'm going to start with clients because we've got some client groups that are used to working with like my mailbox. I re report to one other person. He has these past clients. He's introducing me to them. But I guess I would like a little more um, autonomy, you know, more of like, I guess the way I, I will hope that it, it, it works is that, you know, he introduces me to them. We have a few startup meetings and then you know, if, if he tells a client that he's confident in me, then they will be confident in me. Right. But sometimes it starts out where, you know, the, the, the client, whether it's male or female or transgender, they tend to look at the man that's talking more. You notice it in face-to-face -face meetings, you notice it in Zoom meetings. So I think it's just bringing, it, number one, it's hiring, hiring a diverse crowd, right? Yep. And building teams that are full of diverse folks, whether it's gender or age or sex. Um, and then, you know, letting their clients know that we have confidence in our team and you will get taken care of um, and just keep talking about it. Yeah. I, I, think, I, I think it also helps to, um, to be an example where a leader, yes. where a leader is, where where a leader sees that happening, that leader needs to step in and and correct it, right? That's whether, true. Whether it's a client or whether it's a contractor or whether it's among peers, right? Um, if a leader sees that happening, that leader, and it doesn't have to be aggressive, it doesn't have to be in conflict, it could just be a correction. It's like no, she's the one in charge. She's the, right. she's the one that know has the information you're looking for. You should be addressing her. She's right. the one that, that knows the answer to what you're looking for um, and, and show that and then demonstrate that as a, as a role for other people to follow that role. That they right. Look at what that leader did. That's the way it should be done. Mm -hmm. And that comes through training, right? Some of the, so some of those leaders don't know how to do that, so they should be right. trained. Some of that is you know, through experience. They've seen it and, and have corrected it. Some of it comes naturally. Um, I, my wife is an architect, so I, I've been hearing from it for the past 25 years. I, you know, I see it through, she's a, she's a female architect as well. And so, um, and you know, I've seen it firsthand. We're partners. I've been at meetings where she and I are standing next to one another. She is the lead architect. She is the one that designs the projects. I run the business and they should be talking to her and they're talking to me because I'm a man and she's a woman. So what do you do about it? I correct. Do? I do exactly <laughs> what I just said. I correct it very quickly Good. and very How do clearly. How well, I say that Anne Marie is in charge. She's the what? She's in charge of design. It's her project. She's the one that makes those decisions. You need to be talking to Anne Marie, and very often I'll physically step back, so Anne Marie is yeah. in front of me, and so that also sends a message. And I do that sort of instinctively at this point when we're in those positions. If Anne Marie is the one who's supposed to be leading the meeting or having having that conversation, I'll intentionally, you know, um, uh, shift your posture or your yeah, position I, in the I, room. Exactly, shift the way I I present myself. Yeah. I sort of stand behind Anne Marie. I, you know, it all becomes putting her in front. So it's all signaling that she's the one that, and sometimes it's still, so they'll talk right over her to get to me. And then, so then I'll have to be more, you know, direct about it. But So that's a good point. You, you bring up the, the physicality of it or your presence, right? Because I'm, I'm sure Maggie has been in similar situations. And so I have felt like I have to be more present, right? So I have to make sure like my posture is correct. And I, and I look confident and I step and I step you know, whether it's in front of the room or closer to the person talking or whatever, but then 
as a woman, I have to then worry about how am I seen? How am I perceived? Now, am I going right. to look too aggressive? If a male yep. did that, they wouldn't be aggressive. So it's like this weird line of how, you know, everything, like the way you look, the way you walk, the way you sit in a room. It's exhausting. No, it, it's it's constantly editing ourselves. It's yeah. very, a man can literally come in, he has his legs kind of open, hangs out, takes up all the space, you know, and a woman is all demure, taught to cross her legs, cross her mm-hmm. ankles, you know, wear your skirt a certain length. I mean, I remember at one point, I mean, this is sort of sidetracking, but I mean, where I worked, I was told I had to wear stockings. I mean, who wears stockings now? And who would ever be told to do that? Yeah. Yeah. No. But I mean, a woman, it was always, you need to cross your legs, you know, don't expose too much skin, like all these things. And that's still, even though we've made a lot of progress in there, those things still have carried over in various ways where a woman really does so much editing that goes on to make sure either we are heard, but then you don't want to, then there's people, oh, you know, you're too loud now. And, you know, you don't want to be knocked out of the conversation. It's such a dance that you have to do all the time. And, um, and like I said, I mean, it happens all the time. So it's just, it's like drinking water, but it's absolutely exhausting. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the next generation of architects that the women will have it differently? Do you think that it will be, well, clearly it's getting better, right? But, but when does it like, when does it go away? No, no, I am seeing these women, like there are a lot of young um, women that have joined Atlanta Women in, in Architecture and Design. And I have met several of them over coffee. I've actually been working with two of the women to start another studio called It's Possible Studio and doing more like commercial work together and public work and stuff about actually inclusivity. And they are so dynamic and so ahead. And some of the things I mentioned to them, like Stella and I are talking about, it's almost, they've never experienced some of it. Like they're, I don't want to use the term clueless because that's not, but it's sort of um, really you experience that. I didn't, you know, for them in architecture school, there's just as many women as men. When they went and worked in a firm, there's just as many women leaders. I think there has been a huge shift in the past five or 10 years Mm -hmm. and who like, I remember it being an anomaly, having a female firm. It was uh, Stanley Beeman and Sears, which one of the women I'm working with used to work there or work with her when she got um, bought. But anyway, um, but now you see a lot of more firms where the women are the principals and um, they're taking leadership roles. And that's what we need. Like Stella brought up earlier. Um, like part of the inclusivity is in learning to do it or understanding to do it is just, you know, walking your talk and bringing everybody to the table. Who's going to be using that building? It's not just white men. It's not, you know, it's, and, and I don't mean to say that because people say, oh, white men all the time, but it, it's everybody. We live in a really diverse, communicative, interactive society. And we need to hear how everybody experiences space and places. Right. And that's where the inclusivity happens. That's where community happens. A building to me is about community. Even if it's a house, you're having dinner parties, you're bringing family over, you're making people feel warm and invited. A building should do that too. And mm-hmm. if it's hasn't had the perspective of m- other views outside of what's been dominant for the past, I don't know, hundred years, hundreds of years. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I just think design is going to get better and better because we are listening. You know, we are trying to bring people to the table now. And, and some people are so fed up. They're like, if you're not going to bring me to the table, they're now making their own table and, and, and making it happen. Yeah. I mean, they say, you know, I'll build my own table. And so that's a whole other thing that's happening. So people are like, wait, you don't want to be with us? And then, you know, there's so much opportunity now, and particularly, I think, with such things as podcasts that you do, Mark, people get to hear about it. Right. And, and, and know this is happening. And we can't be in such an insular bubble. The internet has just broken that out open. I mean, every architect has broken it open. And it's really phenomenal. It's yeah, helped I- me a lot with my business. So I'm very appreciative. Good. That's good. I, 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 I think that 
the internet and technology has brought us very far very quickly. Um, and I think although the pandemic has been horrible and there's been lots of terrible things that have happened from it, but I think that the, the, the rapid shift to hybrid firms where we're talking to one another over uh, Zoom and, and video conference, that's an equalizer, right? There's now all the faces are equal, right? Your face and my face are all equal on the screen. Um, there's no physical difference, right? Um, and so some of that I think also will help that process. Not that we're all going to be talking over Zoom forever, but the, that, that the profession has shifted, right? And, and more women are uh, becoming leaders in firms. Some of them um, have started their own firms. Uh, the internet and, and uh, video conferencing will allow more women to start their own firms. Right and be able to be mothers and raise their families. Um, that's what Anne Marie and I have done. We started in 2011. We intentionally moved home and started a remote studio so I could be a, a, a major factor in the growth of my family and the, and caring for our children. And I think that's becoming more common too. Right, the tools that we have will allow us to do things like that. Um, and I think a lot of it is just doing the right thing and showing and having these conversations. Um, and and shedding a light on the, the the things that need to change. Say this is not good. And this, and what's important to me is to have these conversations, right? To show that um, you experience those things, right? And these are the ways that you've you've combated those things and the experiences that you're having today. Um, and so I like being able to have this platform to be able to bring people in to this podcast and have this conversation so people can say, oh, that's how they've been experiencing this. So I didn't know, right? I didn't, I didn't know, I never saw, I was a man. I never saw that happen. So by having these conversations, we can see that it does happen and it still happens and it still will happen, right? Um, but to go back to the original post and I think the people who were, against it where it became this conflict where people who didn't completely understand, right? Mm. And tell me, tell me. I don't know about me, that. I think <gasps> if you're an adult in your 30s or 40s and it's 2021, I just, I think, let me take a step back. I think, it, I'm not a psychiatrist, I don't know. But my experience has been that if somebody is against something, adamantly against something, fighting it, mm -hmm. eh, you know, doesn't want to embrace it. it don't, doesn't it's, want it's, it to change. It doesn't want it to change. It's um, it comes from a fear, a place of fear of Agreed. something, right? 100%, I don't know what the fear is. Yep. You know, maybe they feel like they'll they lose their spot at the table. I don't know what the fear is, but that's that's my what I, my experience is. So yeah. Yeah, you're right. There were there were a couple. I mean, I think it was a very lively conversation, and I think there were a few people that we were able to maybe at least they said they understood our point of view. Maggie's very eloquent, and there were a few other folks that explained it very well. Because I sometimes I get really frustrated, and I'm <sighs> I have to take a step back before I respond to some of the comments. But um, I mean, I hate to say it, there's a few guys men in there that. You know, they're living in a, under a rock. They just are. I hate to say it. I mean, they're so stuck on having that one thought and trying to prove to us wrong instead of being open to other possibilities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was almost just a fight to fight, too. It was, right. It was yeah. And you'll have that everywhere, right? You'll have that. <laughs> with, it, there's always somebody that likes to poke and watch things blow up. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think I, I appreciate you both for for posting information like that, having those conversations. Um, I appreciate you both for coming on to this podcast today and having the conversation here so we can learn. So we can learn from one another. We can hear other others experiences and we can learn how to be better as individuals, but also as a profession. So thank we can you. move this profession forward. So thank you both for for coming on and having this conversation be before we wrap up. I wanted to ask you the one question that I ask everybody. I'm going to ask Maggie first and then Stella. 
what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? And it could be anything. It could be from what we're talking about today, or it can be about you know uh, business or some personal habit, whatever you want to talk about. Um, well, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go from what we're talking about today, which has to do with inclusivity um, and moving away from gender stereotyping. Um, you know, I think as an architect, it's very important when we're working with clients to try to walk in their shoes. Um, and so you, you listen to them. How are they going to move through the space? How do they need the space? What are their wants and needs? What's happening around the clock? Um, and just that as an example is sort of how we need to be, I think, across the board with anybody we meet. Like walk in their shoes. What would it be like to be a woman and you go into a meeting and you're instantly thought because you're a woman, you're getting coffee or you're the secretary or everything in that meeting is geared towards the pronoun he and him as if that's the whole world is male. There's no females around. It's, it's sort of this invisible cloak that happens as if we don't exist. And so I think what we can all do to move forward is what we do with our clients, we do with everybody. Try to walk in their shoes, listen, and go, oh, how they're experiencing it. How can I be more empathetic? How can I be more understanding and inclusive and bring them to the table? So that's what I would say. Very good advice. Stella? So I'm going to say something that is, um, I guess, is a suggestion for firm owners. It's related <laughs> to what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm going to say offer true parental leave, paternal leave. When, oh, when, beautiful. Yes. Right? I'm we so need in agreement, Stella. Oh, my God. Yes. We need to normalize parenthood. Yes. That's really the issue. That's part of the issue, right? It's like women are seen as child bearers, and they're just, people assume that we're just going to lose our desire to practice our craft when that's not really the case. You know, so I think if more firms offer true paternal leave, the same amount as maternal leave, um, then maybe the, the playing field would even out a little bit. Yes. I and agree. men want that. Men want to be they with do. their kids. I, like, I, I, I totally agree with you. You know, I, and that has to do with inclusivity. You did, right? Men. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like we, you know, include the men in the parenting, include the women in the workforce. It's, you know, we're, we're you know, all in this together. And yeah, and we just, we need better paternal leave all together. Normalizing parenthood. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Normalizing parenthood. You could have a whole segment on that, Mark. I think normalizing parenthood is, is I, I like that as well. I think that is very important. And I do, I agree with you, Stella, that I, it would move this conversation forward. Yes. Right. That that if the, if fathers were expected to be part of those early years and the continuing years throughout raising right. those children, um, that that those stereotypes could shift and would shift. There you go. Um, and so I agree with you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I also want to before we wrap up here, I want to encourage you, the listener to go to this episode and post in the comments or go to the Entree Architect community on Facebook and, and post your thoughts on this. Post your thoughts on what, you're, what you've experienced. If you've experienced this, share that. If, you've ex if you have a solution, share that. Um, just continue this conversation. Let's keep talking about it. Let's keep shining a light on it because that is how, we, well, things, would, how things will change is to continue having the conversation. So Maggie Shannon, Stella Osborne, thank you both for coming on the Entree Architect podcast. Uh, Maggie's website, if you want to go check out Maggie's website, is maggie-shannon.com. All right, Maggie, Stella, thank you both very much for, for everything you do uh, for the Entree Architect community, being active community members, participating, contributing. Uh, that's what makes this group so special is people like you being part of it and contributing on a regular basis. So thank you for doing that and for coming on here at the Entree Architect podcast and sharing your knowledge here. So thank you. Thanks for having us. Great. Thank you, Mark. You are listening to episode 376. If you'd like to access the show notes or share this episode with a friend, the, the link, the link is entrearchitect.com 
slash episode 376, entrearchitect.com slash episode 376. And this, this is an episode that you should share. This is an important episode. We have been discussing many, many very important topics throughout the Entree Architect community lately. If you're at the Entree Architect Facebook group, all week you've been hearing uh, topics about um, justice, equity, uh, diversity, inclusion. Um, that's This is part of that. This is an important uh, episode. Um, and, and many issues that have been simmering for decades are coming to light, right? Throughout our society, throughout this past year, uh, and in our profession, justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, these are all topics that we need to talk about. We need to talk about these things. We need to share stories. We need to share stories like Maggie and Stella did here with me today. Uh, and we need to listen. We need to listen. We need to stop and we need to listen so we can better understand how others experience life and work uh, and hear about the obstacles that some of the people in our society need to address every single day. Every day, some of the people uh, need to deal with things that some of us don't need to deal with. And that's what we're talking about here. Change comes from shining a light on the things that hide in the darkness. The things that we may not always see or, or sometimes we ignore. And I hope today's episode makes you think and maybe understand so that when you do see things happening that you know are not right, you can address them. You can shine a light on them so, so it can be seen, so things can change in our profession and in our world. Be the world that you want to live in. Be the world that you want to live in. Share the love that you want to receive. It can be better. It can be better for all of us. It will be better for all of us. Entree Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet. We're curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. That's Gable Media. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. We have eight podcasts now at Gable Media, all architecture-based. Go check them out. Go subscribe. I really think that you'll like them. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership, ready to edit business resources, live monthly training, a supportive architect community, and our business system program developed for small firm architects, Simple Systems. It's all waiting for you at Entree Architect Academy membership. Our next expert training session, every month we have a live webinar where somebody comes in, an expert comes in and trains us, the members. Um, our next expert coming in is Bolanle williams Ali. Uh, she is the CFO of Mancini Duffy, teaching on cash flow systems for architects. It's the foundation of finance. Don't miss this one. Bolanle is uh, the chief financial officer of one of the most innovative architecture firms in the country. Don't miss it. This Entree Architect expert training session is scheduled for June 2nd, 2021. That's the first Wednesday of the month. Every Wednesday, every first Wednesday of every month, we have an expert training session. So join us and you'll be invited to this Entree Architect Expert Training Session. It's included in the membership at Entree Architect Academy. And when you're a member, you have access to all the past trainings as well in our archive. We have now over 65 one-hour training sessions covering pretty much every topic that you possibly could need uh, for building a better business as a small firm architect. They're all in there, so come join us, entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll. Be well, my friends. Be healthy, happy, safe and secure. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening today. And share this one. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. <laughs> 
Season 1 featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long-term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. And so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.